do you miss winning? Well, if you want to have a chance to win, you can get in on our World Golf Tour Challenge. Yes, that's right. Every week we pick a different hole, and every week you have a chance to win a BSN t-shirt of your choice or a gift card playing the WGT Challenge. We'll set a new hole tomorrow on the podcast and all you got to do is take a screenshot of how close you got send it to us and you have a chance to win and every time you play it's another little raffle ticket in the final drawing for a jersey or tickets to a game so make sure you go to freewgt.com and play today As you can probably hear, we are coming to you from the Ice House Tavern, where we held our Broncos watch party today. Good times out here for the most part, and thanks to everyone who came out to the Ice House Tavern as we had a really good time uh, hanging out with all of you guys. Unfortunately, there wasn't much to cheer about for the folks that came out to the game as the Broncos fell once again. Zach 0-3, and what people are mostly talking about is three straight games, no turnovers, no sacks for a team that really we thought was going to be built upon turnovers and sacks. How? How, Ryan? This is death by turnovers and sacks. In this game, it was both sides of the ball, both of those stats. That's all you need to know. Ryan, it's going to be a silly question, but if I told you, you know nothing else about this game. You don't know who's playing, nothing about the game. One team had six sacks and three turnovers. The other team had zero sacks, zero turnovers. Who wins? Not only would I say the, the the obvious team would win, I would say it would be a blowout. And I told you that that team that won the turnovers and sacks was at home and had Aaron Rodgers. We're thinking, what, 31-3? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, we could be talking 40-0 to zero at this game. It was an 11-point game, 27-16, to 16, so... There's a lot of differing emotions. How do I feel about this? The question that was posed by, uh, by Andre Simone here was, if you knew you were going to lose, is this how you'd want to lose? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? Well, because, because while we look at six sacks, three turnovers, it was only an 11-point game. So they must have done some things, right? You know, the offense looked okay. The defense looked okay. The special teams, uh, depending on what part of the special teams you want to look at, looked okay at times. But then, of course, you have the shoot yourself in the foot a total of nine times. Yeah, that's what uh, – if I if I had to choose a way for the Broncos to lose, honestly, it would probably be like 51-50, <laughs> just a crazy – Yeah, style. something exciting at least. Um, there were positives. And, like, I said to you before we started rec- recording, and I – and I don't want this to be misconstrued, but it's true. I don't feel as negatively about the way things went down as I did last week. Now, it's crazy to say that, Zach, because last week they should have won uh, and they lost. But last week it just felt like they were finding new ways to lose. Yep. This way, this week it just felt like, well, they played okay. They just were playing a better team. This team clearly has no idea how to win. No idea, and and sometimes that can be overblown, and I don't like looking at it, but, Ryan, we're not going to look ahead to next week yet, but Jacksonville, they're not a very good team. They just found a way to win. I, I, the Broncos don't know how to win. It, it, it's hard to now look at games on the schedule and say the Broncos will win that, not because they're the worst team in the league, but just because right now they have no formula on how to win. Hey, you get some things working and other things completely fall apart. Yeah, uh, I, uh, man, I couldn't agree more. And, and I don't know where to pin these losses because you are now averaging 
what is it, 15.75 around that points per game. Yep. Yep. That's not going to get it done. It just simply is not going to get it done. But at the same time, your whole team was supposed to be predicated on getting sacks and forcing turnovers. And you have done – you've literally done it zero times. And you've made history. Zach, think of the teams. Think of the teams that have been out there with the, just the most god-awful defenses. I mean, even the Broncos we've seen have, have terrible defenses. Never in the last 50 years. Mace can't even remember the last time this happened. Never in the last 50 years has there been a team go three straight weeks, not even start the season, three straight weeks without a sack or a turnover. You know, this we would be able to accept it a little easier if during this offseason the Broncos went and hired Zach Taylor, the young offensive-minded coach. Uh, at the same time, they also trade Von Miller to, to get a draft pick or they trade Von Miller for a left tackle, let's say. And then every team, we can just say, ah, well, every team's you know giving four guys to Bradley Chubb to stop. And we'd be like, uh, it still shouldn't happen, but okay. No! They have Von Miller. They have Bradley Chubb. Uh, they, they went and got some more firepower in the secondary to, to not allow quarterbacks to throw the ball so quick. And they hired Vic Fangio, a guy that was supposed to let this pass rush feast and absolutely eat. And it still hasn't happened. It's the first time the Broncos have ever had a three-game stretch where they've had zero turnovers and zero sacks. It is mind-blowing. And, Ryan, it's bigger than just these three games, too. The Broncos have the longest losing streak in the NFL right now, dating back to last year at seven. And you touched on it earlier, but they're the only team to not score 20 points in their last seven games. Yeah, I mean, when the Packers got to 24, I started thinking, when is the last time the Broncos scored 25 points? Oh, stop. Don't do this. And I looked back. Zach, it only happened twice last year. And Wait, they once, scored 25 points twice last year? Yep. Happened in week one, and I, and I believe they oh. scored 27 in that game. I think they won 27-24 over the Seahawks. Yep. And and then it happened in the week seven, we're going to kick their ass blowout of the Arizona Cardinals in which they had two defensive touchdowns in that game. So you're talking about, Zach, once, the, once they score 24 points, it's like, well, it's over, you know, because – how are they going to possibly get more than 24? They've done it twice. And, Zach, I went back another year. They only did it two times two years ago. So since the start of 2017, they've only scored 24, more than 24 points four times out of 32, 34, or 33, 34, 35 games. Holy cow. Holy cow. So when you're saying all this, who's, who's, who do you put this loss on? Offense? defense special teams i hate to say it because um, we've also talked about it there were positives i hate to say it. I, I hate to say it but it doesn't have to go on any of the three the broncos are just not very good mm, that's not even the disrespectful well is that's it disrespectful? a disrespectful truth <laughs> that's a disrespectful truth zach because look that's how you know the team is bad you know the team is bad because you you walk away from the game saying, well, right. Flacco played all right, and, mm. and Phil ran the ball pretty well, and Corlin Sutton had almost 100 yards receiving, and and the defense actually you know uh, played some decent uh, football, and they uh, 14 of the 27 points they gave up were, were off of turnovers. You know, you start like adding all this stuff up, and you're like, who can you even really be mad at? Right. And you realize you're mad at John Elway. Right. Because the team is not very good. Right. You're 100% right. Because we've altered and Broncos fans have altered their expectations of this team. When it's 17-10 at half, Broncos fans are understandably thinking, okay, we're still in this game. But more so, they're thinking, dang, we're playing pretty darn good right now. And then when it's, what was it, 24-16, to 16, one possession game, again, you're like, okay, there is a chance but more so we're within one score of the Packers and uh, that's not typically how Broncos fans act you know back in the Manning days if you're up eight you're you're like what the heck is going up we're only up eight points right now then that then that next year or two close games you're like we have to win this and you're right the expectations have changed where it doesn't feel th this loss 
it feels terrible in the grand scheme of things because if you look at what it means in your 0-3, it's terrible. But the way the Broncos played, dare I say, forget about the six sacks, three toner of or zero sacks uh, uh, by the Broncos defense and zero takeaways. If you put those to the side, you're like, oh, there were positives taken from this game. And that's that's kind of where we're at is with this team is you focus on the positives in terms of wins. Oh, well, we're about to start focusing on the young guys and we're going to start focusing on how long until Drew Locke and we're going to start focusing on where do they rank in the draft position and we're going to start focusing on do they draft a quarterback in the top five and we're going to start focusing on a lot of things that aren't about right now because this is uh, a weird place for the Broncos to be in. We don't. This is completely uncharted territory for us. I don't. Uh, Vic Fangio was the first head coach in Broncos history to start zero and three. We're truly in, in you know uncharted territory with this team, and we don't know what a tankathon looks like, <laughs> and and we don't know what it's like for the team to be out of it in week three. So. There's a lot, a lot of stuff that could happen, and we we hinted at it last week about players demanding trades, and this could get really, really ugly, really, really fast. Ryan, I heard maybe the worst thing in my mind about this team today, and I want to know if you think it's the worst thing as well. The Broncos are the best zero and three team in the league right now. Do you agree with that? Oh, give me a break. What are the what are the other teams? I don't know. I, I don't even know. Well, okay, so we know the Dolphins are 0-3. We know the Jets are 0-3. Is let's anyone say, else 0-3? Let's say by the end of this weekend, and right now uh, you have the Jets, the Dolphins, uh, the Bengals are 0-3, of course the Broncos, um, and then some teams that could join them. The Panthers could be 0-3. The New York Giants could be 0-3. The Redskins could be 0-3. And that's it. Oh, the Steelers could also be 0-3. Not necessarily, but mm. I understand um, the sentiment. You could maybe give them... By the end of the day, we might end up saying, yes, they are the best 0-3 team in the league. And I think that's awful. I think that's awful, awful news. <laughs> because what are we doing here? We're going for another 7-9, 6-10, 5-11? Because the the road they're going down, Ryan, it's almost to the point where I think some some smart Broncos fans that can take a step back are saying, okay, this thing needs to not go off the rails in terms of fire everyone, but this thing, you you need to set yourself up for the future right now. But you know whose hands this is going to be in, whether it's this week, next week, the week after? It's going to be in in two different groups. It's going to be in John Elway's hands to say, okay, this clearly isn't going the way we need to. I'm trading players. Or it needs to be in the hands of the players that, that want to get out of here, if any of them do. Because uh, I just hate hearing they're the best 0-3 team. When we just went through, what is that? There was like eight teams that could be 0-3 by the end of this weekend. It's a lot of competition to be bad. Yeah, and it's this is such a weird place to be in. Like I said, we're in uncharted territory because, Zach, I don't know how to feel. This team played well enough today that I think they're actually going to win some football games. Right. You know, and are we already to the point where that isn't a good thing? Right. I don't want to be there, but regardless of who you think they are, even if you're of the belief that they got screwed last week, which you're with Vic Fangio, and maybe you're also of the belief like, hey, if they don't call a phantom hold on Emmanuel Sanders, the Broncos go up. Um, 14-10, and the game is completely flipped on its head, and you never know what's going to happen. And maybe you're of the belief that the Broncos should be 2-1 and one right now. Yeah. That's okay. That's fine to be there. But guess what? It doesn't matter. And what was it, 11% of teams start 0-2 make the playoffs? How many have done it at 0-3? 2.8. 2.8%. So let's just be real. The Broncos have no chance of making the playoffs. Right. And so what do you – now what? Like where are we? What are we What are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. And like I said, this is an instant reaction podcast. I said this last week. You're getting you're getting me fresh off 
uh, I haven't even collected my thoughts yet. <laughs> All I know is that this thing is in a really bad place. It You, you don't want to be here, ever. And I think that we could be... In a, in a weird position because this team's too good to be bad and too bad to be good. Mm, exactly, exactly well, right. Not, maybe not too good to be bad. They're too good to be terrible and too bad to be decent. And that that's why it's I hate hearing that they're the best of the worst because that's kind of where they've been the past two seasons. And, man, you look through this, only two other teams that have played three games right now have scored fewer points than the Broncos. Now, the offense, it didn't have the same formula as last week. They got down uh, early, like, like they always do. But then the Broncos, they actually scored in, in the first half. They got on the board. They got in the end zone. They put a touchdown drive together. It was the first time they've done that this season, not in the fourth quarter. And then they just weren't able to find uh, the magic. And they, they really haven't found magic the last two weeks. But they weren't able to just put off playing bad until the fourth quarter. They, they weren't able to do that again this week. Um, and it, it, it was a different way. Like we said, it was a, they found a different way to lose this week. Yeah. It's, they found, I don't know, I guess the way they lost was by turnovers. and Death by turnovers. Because the final, they lose by 11. Yep. And you have 14 points off turnovers. Yep. So they did kind of find a new way to lose. And, uh, man, who's to say they won't find a, ne a, a new way next week? And guess what? Gardner Minshew has protected the heck out of the ball so far. So don't be banking on the rookie quarterback throwing it up and, and causing a lot of turnovers. How, Ryan, how? I still can't get over this. How do the Broncos have zero sacks and zero turnovers? How? Uh, we'll talk about it more after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, one of our friends who was here today at the watch party had his first strawberry sky. He said, nah. this is a damn good beer. Damn good beer. Uh, I had about five strawberry skies yesterday at my sister's engagement party. Got, got asked to uh, officiate the wedding, so that's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that there, Zach. Nice, big time. Yeah, uh, doing it with her fiancé's little brothers. You were going to tag team Ooh, it. Ooh. A two-man routine. A lot of puns or what? The puns will be, yes, they'll Wait, be are, are you replacing me, this two-man team? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to have to do have some collaboration here. I'll forgive your sister. But anyways, that wedding, oh, there'll be plenty of Breck beers there. There are plenty of Breck beers at the engagement party. Breck beers are just what we do. And something that we do well. So I, I was at a wedding on Friday. Plenty of Breck beers. Boom. So shout out to Breckenridge Brewery for all of their support. And you can always get some Breckenridge beers here at the Ice House Tavern, where we are recording our post-game reaction pod after a fun watch party. Unfortunately, a loss for the Broncos. Zach, whose fault is it that they have zero sacks and zero turnovers through three games? It's got it's got to be everyone on the deep. On the defensive side of the ball. I'm sick and tired of this being an entire team problem. Ryan, does it help when the offense gets you a lead? Yeah, it does help. Does it, does it really destroy your pass rush when you get down 14-0 six minutes into the game by the end of the first quarter? Yes, it does. Have we seen that this year where the Broncos are just down and out right at the beginning of a game? No. We haven't. I understand Aaron Rodgers drives the ball uh, and, and scores a touchdown, so it's 7-0 to start the game. That shouldn't eliminate your entire team. That, or that shouldn't eliminate the biggest strength of your team. And after the game, Vic Fangio comes out and says, oh, in, in terms of the pass rush, well, you know, they need to be better, but our offense needs to get a lead. We need to be doing things to help them. No, this pass rush needs to show up. If you wanted an offense that could get a lead, you needed to build a different offense. Yes, so it's everyone. I guess everyone on the defensive side, in my eyes, is to blame. And you can look all the way up to Elway as well for building the team this way. But I am just so sick and tired of hearing that, uh, what are we supposed to do when we don't have the lead? You're down 7-0 with 55 minutes left in the game. Give me a break. 
I'm um I'm not as hardcore on that as you, but but it doesn't. I guess here's here's my point. You do need you you sometimes you do need to get a lead to get like three or four sacks in a game. Right. You don't like. There's no other team out there saying, well, we just we never had the lead, so we couldn't get any sacks. That's just how it works. You know, it's right. against the rules. No sacks if you aren't winning. Yep. So. If you want to see these guys have a big game, you want to have, see a team have six sacks, well, you could just watch the game today and just see the Packers do it. But if you want to see your team get six sacks, you do have to have a lead. You do have to put a team in a position where they have to throw the ball more than they want to. To get one? That just takes a player making a play. Didn't we see Aaron Rodgers in third and 15, third and 10, third and 12 multiple times in the game? Here's the thing, though, is I almost felt like Aaron Rodgers felt he could – Get in the Broncos' heads by not allowing them to sack him. Right. Like, it wasn't the quick passes. He knew he could. He, he was going to be able to throw it downfield, and he did. That wasn't his strategy. It wasn't just quick pass, quick pass, quick, quick pass. His strategy was if they get anywhere near me, I'm just going to throw it into the ground. Yep, I'm going to run outside my left or right tackle and throw it in the ground. That was interesting. I felt like that was a mind game. It was, it was I can get them frustrated if I just don't let them get to me. Why, Ryan, credit to the NFL. They've been listening to you and I. Why not do this? Why would you play into the hands of the Broncos and there is a clear, clear, clear formula on how to beat them? It, it is so clear on what teams need to do in order to beat them. And the Broncos, they thought they found a winning formula on the offensive side of the ball, and it worked for a half. Running the ball, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay, pass to Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay. They had 91 rushing yards at the half. And uh, then because they got down, the formula wasn't working. They were forced to pass a little more. Joe Flacco had 75 passing yards in the first half. You would have thought the Broncos were down way more than seven points. The big problem is the, is the makeup of the team. How is, there, how is the general manager going out there and saying, hey, we just need a quarterback who can just keep the ship afloat? And the coach is saying, hey – we can't do what we can, what we need to do because we don't have a lead. There's a <laughs> right. massive disconnect there. Right. Yep. Like if you want a team that could get a lead, then get an electric quarterback. Right. And obviously they drafted Drew Locke, and maybe we're gonna see him as soon as week nine at this point. But uh, I mean, trade up and and get Kyler Murray. Like you want to create a electric offense. Uh, <laughs> You know, makes go get Zach Taylor as your head coach. You know, something. Because it doesn't make any sense to sit there and say, we just need a quarterback who doesn't mess up the game. And then also sit there and say, we can't do our job on defense if the offense doesn't score any points. I have maybe one of the worst quotes that you never want to hear. But first, let me tell you about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So right now, guys, get your phone. Put away Twitter for a second. Get your phone. Look at MyGreenSolution.com. Order your flowers, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. And make sure you use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire order. That's BSN20, and they'll hook it up for you. Do they have a, a solution for the Broncos' woes or just to help you feel better about them? Tell me if there's a solution to this quote from Emmanuel Sanders right after the game times are rough around here living in a world of suck that's your that's your offensive leader right living in a world of (laughs) suck that's us that's all of us guys we live in a world of suck somehow we still have fun though I don't know how we do it (laughs) it's weird we've covered a total of 11 wins over (laughs) The last 35 games we've watched. Wow. And we still have a good time doing this. We do. <laughs> I wonder how long the Browns reporters still had oh, fun. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I bet they, they thought they were going to be having fun this year. Not quite too sure how that's going. My bills. <laughs> My effing bills. 3-0. 3-0. That's o. incredible. Who was their victim today? The Bengals. Oh, of course. Zach Taylor's not doing so hot either. No. Wow, neither is Brian Flores. Though the first year head coaches Brian, are struggling. At least Brian Flores kind of knows it's supposed to be like that. It'd be funny if they fired him after the year. <laughs> like it'd be messed up. <laughs> but it, it would be kind of funny. 
<sighs> the Emmanuel Sanders that had two catches for 10 yards on four receptions. Yeah, I bet you if he had uh, 10 catches for 100 yards, <laughs> uh, he wouldn't be talking about a world of suck. Ah, wouldn't have been a world of suck anymore. Big smile on his face last week after mm, the game. It's very, very true. And that kind of, oh, man, do we dive into trade conversation? Is that where sure. this goes? Because it, and, and here's what we're, where we'll go with this to keep it topical. Ryan, when does it happen? When does, if it's going to happen, when does the first Bronco request demand a trade? Is it, it, it wasn't going to be after 0-1. Probably wasn't going to be after 0-2 after it started. Is 0-3 still too early, or could it happen this week? It could happen this week, Zach, because here's the thing. There are so many players on this team playing for their for their their paychecks. Uh, and I mean that by saying there's they're in contract years. And whether it's for better or for worse or right or wrong, player players are often judged by the success of their football teams. And guess what? If you're not getting sacks, you're not creating turnovers. If you're not creating turnovers, you're not getting sacks. You're not scoring points. You're not getting a chance to do these things. And all of these guys are being brought down by the overall world of suck that they live in. That hurts the paycheck. Look at this. In, the, in his very first quarter as a Pittsburgh Steeler, Minka Fitzpatrick already has an interception. No way. So, and I, I, I realize they're 0-2 as well, but, you know, the... That doesn't that doesn't help anything. Like if a Broncos watching this game right now, as they've just got home or where, wherever they are, they just got you know they're on the plane with their iPads, they're thinking, man, the grass is the grass is greener. You want some disrespectful truth? Sure. What's a more even though you know the the Steelers are winless just as the Dolphins. What's a more reputable franchise to be with? Which is one? What what franchise are you going to get more notoriety with as a player? The Steelers, without a doubt. The Broncos absolutely used to be one of those. And this is just a fact right here. They have two primetime games this year. They were used to getting five in that extra one once the season schedule came out. They only have one more primetime game. People aren't tuning in to see the Broncos anymore. They're not. And you know what? This team has a lot of veterans, like you said, that are playing on contract years, but that are smart, too. And they look at next week's game against the one and two Jaguars and probably say, "Yeah, we can win." But then, as the ship turned around, if you're one and three after beating the Jaguars at home, when then you have to go on the road and play the Chargers, winnable game, sure, difficult, yeah. Then Titans at home again, you should probably win that game. But then the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Browns to round out your first eight, or that would be your first nine games of the season. These players are smart. They're saying, "I probably have two or three wins here." And then we're sitting at three and nine or three and six, and the trade deadlines passed. We're two and seven in the trade deadlines passed. No, I think a lot of them will understand their move is soon. This is, like I said, uncharted territory. I, I don't know what to expect. Maybe we're overreacting a little bit by thinking that there, that there might be trade requests this week, but it would not surprise me for the reasons that you laid out. But even more so, it's it's just the reason of these guys feel like they're not going to have a chance to ball here. Right. And I keep using L.A. as an example just because that's where Wade Phillips is. But it's like, you don't think Chris Harris Jr. is sitting on a plane right now thinking, man, I miss playing in Wade's scheme. And, oh, what if I could play behind Aaron Donald? And, you know, I don't, is, is Akeeb healthy? I don't know if keeps healthy. Is he playing? I think so. I don't know. And Akeeb again. And, you know, all these guys over there. And with Wade. And we have a, a great offense and a smart head coach who's, who's got them rolling that everyone loves and everyone raves about. Like, they have to start thinking of stuff like that, especially – and here's the kicker – especially if they don't think they're going to be here next year. Right. For guys like Bradley Chubb and yeah. Cortland Sutton no, and Philip no. Lindsay and all those guys, they're, they're, they can instantly think to the future. Yep. And just say, man, we're we're part of a, we're, we're, you know, we're going to be part of a long-term plan, and maybe next year is with a year that we really come into our own, and we can. This becomes our team once some of these other veterans are out of here. But Shelby Harris, who probably doesn't like the role he's playing in this scheme, and doesn't think he's going to be here next year, and Chris Harris Jr. and heck, maybe even Emmanuel Sanders, who thought he was going to be gone this year before he tore his Achilles, 
you have to imagine they're looking at the grass on the other side and saying it's greener. What about Von Miller? Hey, you just you you just went through guys that um, you know he should be here next year. He's under contract, but there is a team option. Um, but then doesn't really like his role. Maybe that's also the the case going on with Vaughn. And uh, here's the thing: for people that think this may be the right move, you're going to have to be okay with these guys going to good teams. You know what good teams means? It means teams that you don't like. Because Miami Dolphins aren't trading for Chris Harris Jr. or Von Miller or any of these guys. It's the Patriots. It's the Chiefs. Now, do I think the Chiefs will likely happen? Probably not. But the Patriots have tried to make big moves with Antonio Brown. Um, and maybe, maybe it is an NFC team. Maybe it's the, the Saints or, or the Rams. But just just be prepared. Oh, that's not what I think they have to prepare for. Be prepared for not getting the return you think you're going to get. Ah. So let's say... Well, think of this. Let's just think of the fact... Let's just say Von Miller asked for a trade. Von Miller has zero sacks through three weeks. He is on the wrong side of his prime. And and his cap hit is over $20 million this year, right? Yep. And the next two years, 25 plus. You have no chance of getting a first-round pick for Von Miller. None. Then you, you, you can't do it, can you? I don't know. It depends on what your where your head is at. Are you rebuilding? Yeah. Well, then you need that cap space, <laughs> and you need the third round pick that you're gonna get out of it. Does that sound? Oh, well, I was gonna say, does that sound like a John Elway thing to do? Is get fleeced in a trade? I would typically say no, but we've seen John Elway. Do things John Elway that gave I away never three million dollars exactly. for no reason. This offseason has been John Elway doing things I didn't think he would do, in terms of taking what what a lot of people call a bad deal. I personally don't think Vaughn will ask for a trade. Um, he, I don't know. I just don't. I, I I feel like he would hate what that would do for his image, and I think he cares a lot about the way he's viewed here in Denver and. And his legacy. And I mean, he's always going to be a Super Bowl MVP. No matter what happens here at the end of his career in Denver, he'll always have a Super Bowl MVP. He'll always be a legend to the Broncos community. How about this? Emmanuel, one of the leaders, one of these guys that may be up for a trade, says, uh, oh, no, I just lost it. He says, we're living in a world of suck. Chris Harris, on the other side, a leader who is also potentially uh, uh, in, in the trade talk, says, when told that this was the first time the Broncos started 0-3 in 20 years, he said, dang, we just have to keep work, keep working. A lot of new players, a lot of new coaches, new system. We just have to continue to improve and perfect this system the best we can, and hopefully next week we can bounce back. Those are uh, quite, the different, um, quite the different quotes, aren't they? One guy knows how to make uh, his brand look much better. I'll just say that. But I don't know, man. Uh, maybe that doesn't sound like a guy who's about to ask for a trade, to be honest. No, certainly doesn't. The, what other, about one, the other one, the other one might. <laughs> um, it's so up and down with him. It all has to do with the way he's used. Right. Because if he would have had two catches last week and two catches this week, I would have said, "Oh, he's demanding a trade." <laughs> yeah. But he had a hundred yards last week, right? Yep. Yeah. So it, it, maybe it comes down to how you know. Do they do they want to use him? Because if they throw him the ball enough, he's gonna keep his mouth shut. Exactly. But the second that you forget to throw him eight targets, when you you and May said you'd, you'd want to keep Emmanuel around for Drew Locke when Drew Locke comes in, if that does happen later in the season, to help him develop to give him a, a weapon. But then on the other side, couldn't that be maybe the worst thing for Drew's development is if he's just told in the huddle, hey, I'm going to be open. Hey, I was open that play. Why didn't you give me the ball? Hey, give me the ball. I was open. Okay, throw it to me on this one. And then you're not letting Drew make the reads? I don't know. I mean, he needs some. He needs guys who can get open consistently. Cortland looked good today. Cortland looked good. You know who also looked good aside from the fumble, which – it's pretty inexcusable because he didn't he he cut to the outside and didn't put the ball in his outside hand, which is like you learn that on your very first day of football. Um, that is Noah Fant. Noah Fant actually 
made a couple plays today. <laughs> some upset uh, 49ers fans in here as they've turned the ball over three times in the first half. Um, How about that, Kyle Shanahan? Yeah. Devin Bush forcing the fumble. Wow, speaking of Noah Fant. <laughs> Anyways, Noah Fant, um, I thought he looked good today. Everyone, remember all the whole uh, thing about him? Oh, I was Minka Fitzpatrick, who also was in there knocking it loose. Wow. There was a whole thing about Noah Fant and contested catches. He's actually looked pretty good in the contested catch um, situations so far, although I'd like to see them give him contested catch opportunities in the red zone. But that's you know a whole other issue to debate I, I i think there are just little i forget how we started talking about Cortland sutton and no oh oh separation for drew lock yeah Cortland's looked a lot better and so maybe that's enough i guess it just comes down to value and eventually you have to start looking at each guy's value and is it worth it to trade him because certainly i mean you, let's just look at um the san francisco 49ers their best receiver i mean they have a lot of average receivers around there but is their best yep. receiver marquise goodwin probably emmanuel sanders is a lot better than him right yep and you li they like doing trades and they're two and oh aren't they yep so may like that's a team like you have to look at every player's value and see what you can get for him at this point because say it or not you are rebuilding like at this point you have to you have to say that you, you have to and you do have some nice young pieces, Ryan, to rebuild around. Noah, Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton, 8 for 11. Joe Flacco was when targeting both of those guys. Noah Fant, a perfect 3 for 3. Both of those guys combined for over 120 yards. You like that. And your second leading receiver on the day, Phillip frickin' Lindsay. Four catches on five targets, 49 yards. Of course, also the leading rusher on your team, 81 yards uh, on 21 carries. And, uh, of course... The Philip Lindsay Dalton Reisner combination on the goal line. Dalton's another guy that you are so excited about moving forward. And Ryan, these are all guys on the defense or on the offensive side of the ball. The 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 unit that hasn't scored 20 points in seven games. So while it seems doom and gloom, and it pretty much is doom and gloom on that side of the ball for this year, it, you feel a lot better about the future than you do right now. You do like it's so it's such a weird place to be. You have these building blocks, and that should be your key right there. You already have a foundation. How did you get that? Drafting well, start comp start compiling picks. Do you trust yourself? That's what you ask yourself if you're John Elway right now. You feel pretty good about the way you've drafted in the last couple years. Yep. Uh, Draymond Jones made some plays out there today in re in relief of Derek Wolf. So. You're starting to feel better about the way you draft. I think it's time to start compiling picks. We'll see how much interest there is out there in these guys. But I think I, I think that has to be your move. You know who trusts themselves no matter what? It's John Elway. John oh, Elway I believes in himself. So if it, if it does come down to that, John looking himself in the mirror and saying, do I want to get rid of these known commodities that are getting older, but I can get draft picks back? to help myself if it comes down to that conversation and john says john do you trust yourself turning these second third fourth round picks that you get back and return into something he's gonna say yes every single time well if you want to see an entertaining uh, game that involves an oval shaped ball <laughs> you gotta head down to infinity park on the weekend of october 5th and 6th to check out the international women's rugby sevens event and eat Delicious international food while listening to incredible bands. It's, a, it's like a trifecta. Infinity Park is the only U.S. stop for the rugby series. And teams from around the world are participating, including the USA, New Zealand, Canada, Japan, England, Ireland, Russia, Brazil, France, Fiji, Australia, and Spain. Every country in the world, I think I just named. <laughs> the series is crucial for athletes as they prepare for the 2020 Olympics. Rugby Sevens is a demanding game of speed, endurance, and intensity with some of the world's most talented athletes. If you're a sports fan, you'll be blown away and highly entertained watching these women compete. What's even better is you'll be able to enjoy this with the entire family at an incredible price. Adult passes are only 20 bucks, and you'll receive $5 off that when you use code BSN5. Kids 12 and under are only 10 bucks, and kids 3 and under are free for the entire weekend. Visit Infinity Park at Glendale.com for all of your information and grab your tickets. That's Infinity Park at Glendale.com, and the promo code is BSN5. Ryan, 
There's a controversial penalty in this game, and I need to get your stance on this before the end of this podcast. The Emmanuel Sanders holding took back a Royce Freeman touchdown. Then the Broncos have to settle for a field goal. Four points off the board. They lose by 11. It would have been a seven-point game. Maybe the tide's changed. What, what's your thoughts on it all? Uh, uh, they got jobbed. Terrible call. Sorry, nine-point game would have been a five-point game at the end. Was it? No, it was 11. 27-16. Yes, yeah, that's oh, 11. Wow, wow, thank you. <laughs> um, they got jobbed. And the game very, very well could have been different if it weren't for that. But, Zach, doesn't this sound familiar? Good teams are good enough that those things don't cost them games. Yep. And in the end, even if you give them the four points, they still lost by a touchdown. Now, I, I totally sympathize with people who say it could have changed the entire spectrum of the game. They would have had a lead. They would have gotten 20 sacks if they had a lead. <laughs> um, I hope Vic says that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, you can't be – like, let's just imagine this is the Chiefs, and they have that holding call. Right. And they go. They just score on the next play. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Right. So, good teams find a way to not have that cost them the game, or even cost them the points in that situation, and just make it go away right then and there. Unfortunately, they did really get screwed. It it couldn't even have been. It couldn't have been less of a holding. I. It was not a penalty, and you know I'm probably one of the hardest people to convince to admit these things and, and admit the fault on an official. But no, that bad bad call. But, Ryan, I feel like it's seriously since the Baltimore game last year, which was, what, week seven, week six, week five? I think it was maybe week five. So it's been nearly a whole year. I feel like it's every other week people are complaining about, oh, my gosh, that penalty cost us the game. That penalty cost us the game. Maybe one or two of those are legit. But like you said, if you're a good team, you overcome them or you overcome most of them. The Broncos don't overcome any of them. So what does that tell you? If I say, if you're a good team, you overcome them, and the Broncos don't, come, don't overcome any of them, it's that there's too many holes. There's too many holes, and the, the margin for error for this team is so tiny. I, I mean, it's almost non-existent. It is non-existent, especially in a game against the Packers with a really, really good defense. On, and, in Lambeau. In Lambeau. And, of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, you have to – they just needed to play perfect. And look, if they did, guess what? You take those two turnovers off the board, maybe you turn those drives into points. Right. Then you win. Who's the worst team in the league right now? The Dolphins. Yep. If I told you the Broncos played the Dolphins, the Broncos had zero sacks, zero turnovers, and the Dolphins had six sacks and three turnovers, who, who would you tell me would win? The Dolphins won the game. <laughs> so now stack it up against the Packers. Yeah. It's, it's no question – Who's going to win? Now, what if I told you there was a, a terrible holding penalty thrown into that Dolphins game? You, you still taking the Dolphins? Small potatoes. <laughs> right. Vince Joseph <laughs> quote right there. I love it. <laughs> yeah, didn't he used to say little potatoes? <laughs> Something. <laughs> little potatoes. <laughs> oh. Those are little potatoes, guys. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the last thing that I think I really want to hammer in here is once again the lack of urgency late in the game. Zach, I'm not even watching the game as a fan. I want to pull my freaking hair out watching that. It's infuriating. It's absurd. To me, it's like they've accepted, what, three minutes left, three and a half minutes left? I think it was five minutes, five, almost five, five minutes, minutes left. minutes left, and they pick up a first down. And, well, first they start off with, like, a, a dinky-dunk run. And then they pick up a first down, and everyone's just casually walking up to the line. And you and I are looking at each other going, what are you guys doing? Are you guys playing for the field goal to make it a one-possession game to feel better about it? Are you playing for the touchdown to beat the spread? What's going on? It did not feel like they were playing to win. because. And then, and then you and I are saying they might as well take chances. If you throw a pick there, I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you at all if you make a mistake because at least you tried to win. It just felt like at the end of the game they didn't try to win. Joe Flacco, like, double pumps and then takes a sack. And I'm just like, dude, just let it fly. Yep. With the worst thing is you throw a pick? Yep. Uh, it, oh, my God. That, like, of all the things that happened in the game, that made me more mad than anything. Yep. And here's what you have to be doing on the sidelines. If you're Rich Gangarello, if you're Vic Fangio, if you're, you know, 
forget the name of the guy who's in charge of like game situations, Mitch Tanny. Here's what you're saying. Okay, there's five minutes left on the clock. We have two timeouts. So we have to score a touchdown before the two-minute warning to avoid having to do an onside kick. And so you have, and I honestly think there was like 440 or something like that. You have to score. You have to, everything you do has to be with the idea of there are two minutes and 40 seconds left on the clock and we're down by seven. Right. And they are letting 20 seconds run off between plays. As if time isn't an enemy here. No urgency. That was infuriating. It was. And I can't even imagine fans sitting at home thinking, okay, it's not impossible. And then watching the team just mosey around like it was a walkthrough. And Madden, you're pressing A to get up to the line. You're tapping as fast as you can to run to the line where these guys are, are just waiting and pretty much running the clock out. Like, not even trying. It felt no. like they weren't trying. It felt like they had waved the white flag, and that is really, really frustrating to watch. And it goes back to this nonchalantness of this team. It, oh, my God, another turnover and another Devin by Bush. Devin Bush. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, four first-half turnovers for the Niners. So, wow. anyways, it, I, I lost my train of thought. But, essentially – it's the, oh, it's the nonchalant nature of the team. And, and, Zach, the more I think about it, it is running rampant. It's Vic Fangio. And, and I, I don't mean to hate on Vic Fangio, but he is that way. It's Ed Dontel. He's that way. Uh, it's Rich Cangarello. He's pretty not. He's got a little bit of fire to him, but he's not even on the sideline, so it doesn't matter. Um, it's Joe Flacco. It's Von Miller. All of this, well, eh. Like, that feels like the entire attitude around this team right now. And, and yeah, Philip Lindsay got going a little bit, and he had a little swagger, and you love to see that. And Dalton Reisner's got some juice. But those aren't the ones who are leading this team right now. Right. And that, to, that to me, is the biggest problem. And after the game, Ryan, in his postgame presser, Vic Fangio, for the first time, kind of looked like he understood what hit him. And that an 0-3 start, you know, 0-2, new coaching staff, new players, maybe you can, maybe you can turn it around, maybe you can sell something. It really seemed that the look in his face seemed like he realized what he was up against it. And not that he was waving the white flag or realizing he should have stayed as a defensive coordinator of the Bears or anything like that, but he, he understood what he was up against for this season. And uh, the better this, the, the sooner this team realizes it, probably the better. I have one final question for you before we wrap up this podcast, Zach. Through three games, the Broncos have zero sacks and zero turnovers and zero wins. Would they have at least one sack and or turnover if Vic Fangio was coaching from the booth? Oh. <laughs> yes. Isn't I think that so where too. turnovers happen is where Vic can see, oh, look at this matchup I need to create and scheme all of this. I, I agree. <laughs> Now, I don't know if that, how big of a difference that makes. It, and maybe at this point, I mean, it's a development season for everyone. So maybe Vic Fangio just needs to learn how to see things and, and communicate uh, from down on the field. Because it's not like they're losing anything right, right at this point. You know, they have a 2.8% chance of making it to the playoffs. So maybe this whole year has to be an experiment. And maybe at the end of the year, if it still doesn't feel right, then next year you go up there when it actually matters. Right. Boy, wouldn't that be admitting a massive mistake, 16 games on the sideline. But you know what's better is to correct a mistake instead of double and triple down. And speaking of doubling and tripling down on mistakes, Garrett Bowles, no <laughs> holdings today. You called it. I called it, and I have to tip my cap to both you and Mace for predicting the score you're off by a missed Brandon McManus extra point, and I'm going to give you guys the benefit of the doubt on that because <laughs> that's garbage that he missed that. So you and Mace both nailed the score. Congratulations. That's back-to-back back weeks, one point off the total score for that's me. A, that's impressive. The total sc- did, what, what did you predict last week? 16-13? Yep, 16-14. You're locked. You're locked <laughs> in. You didn't get uh, impacted by positive vibes Thursday like me. <laughs> and I'm hope- curious what's to come. If there's another positive vibes Thursday this week. I don't know. Gardner Minshew is all positive vibes all the time. (laughs) I like that guy. 
Anyways, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Instant Reaction Pod. We, of course, will be back with you guys tomorrow. We'll bring Mason. Uh, obviously, he's been on the ground there in the wet, soggy ground in Wisconsin. He'll be back in with us tomorrow, and we'll try and dissect this thing in further detail. But for now, it's going to wrap it up for us. Thanks to everyone who came out to the Ice House. Thanks to the Ice House for hosting us. And thanks to you guys for listening. We'll talk to you later. South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.